swept the technique. You're listening to The Killer Bees with Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. On ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's Blankers. I'm Branham. We're the Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. So Chandler Rome dropped a, a nugget yesterday. Says that Frommer Valdez is, he wants to call his own game. Frommer Valdez wants to call his own pitches. Is it because his shrink and Martin Maldonado's gone? Uh, Fromber said it's not. He's just something that he wanted to experiment with. Uh, pitching coaches are allowing him. Murphy and Miller are allowing him to do this. Like he'd probably be the last guy I would let do this. Uh, but he called his own pitches today. First start in spring training. First appearance for spring training for Fromber. He gave up three runs on five hits in an inning and a third. Walked one, did strike out two. How do you feel about Fromber calling his own pitches? For now, I'm fine with it. We're still, you know, we're just in the fetal stages of spring training. You know, he's he's making his first appearance. He's screwing around, messing around, experimenting. I'm sure with pitches, location, still kind of getting it all ramped up and putting it all together. If this can, if this if this becomes a pattern, I'll be more concerned about it. But for the first start of the uh, of the spring. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's just that there's a lot going on, and we know that's a, that's where things start to go haywire between the years with him. Mm-hmm. So that that would be the biggest concern is there's a lot on his plate this year with a new catcher, and obviously now tr- you know trying to do this and, and then trying to bounce back. That's a lot on the shoulders and, and the the uh, the arm of Framber Valdez. I am not going to overreact to a single start. Uh, for a pitcher who has the decorations of Frommer Valdez that has his resume. So I'm not going to flip out about the start today. Like, these guys work on stuff. Maybe maybe he was trying to get to the pond and, and catch some fish before it was too late. Maybe he was trying to head to the ocean and catch high tide. Like, th- these guys in spring training aren't worried about production. Like, these guys yeah. who are locked into their spots in a starting rotation or on a roster, they're, they're working on stuff. Uh, would I rather see Fromber face five hitters and strike five hitters out than have the day he did? Obviously. Uh, so so his outing today, I really don't care about. And he had some thoughts about his outing. Uh, through an interpreter, Fromber said, uh, I felt I was 40 to 50% out there. I think the quality of my pitches are good. I was talking more about the intensity. Obviously, first outing of spring, I can't go out there and just go 100%. Cool. I don't care about the outing. I, I don't like Fromber Valdez calling his own game. There's guys in this rotation that I would be fine with them calling their own game. Uh, Josh Hader, he Josh Hader will call his pitches at times. Reading Chandler Rome's article is where I learned this information. Hader will wear the the pitch com on his belt, and he'll override catchers every now and then. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't agree, he'll override it and, and, and have the veto, basically. Kind of like a golfer with his caddy. He has the veto. No one else on the Astros pitching staff does this. Kendall Graveman did. No one else does. Of all the guys on the Astros rotation, Framber Valdez might be the last guy I would want calling his own pitches. No, I agree with you because of obvious reasons that we've spoken about uh, over and over again. Like, there's enough for him to manage. And then when you throw in the pitch clock and you throw in all the you know, fielding of 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 bloopers and and fielding the position, we see the breakdowns and we see where a majority of them uh, occur. And it starts with what's going on between his ears, and we don't need him to have more to have to process. I mean, he's got a lot going on as it is, and that's where Yiner's going to have to be on the same page with him. Yiner's going to have to be able to get through to him when he make you know when he calls a pitch to be you know, able to say no and veto it if he doesn't feel like it's a good idea because of the fact that that's where he can really get hurt and the team can get hurt. 
they were it was kind of interesting on some of the things that they were uh discussing whether it was like you know the pitching coaches with the quotes uh to Chandler Rome but also like Espada you can tell Espada is very he's very attention to detail like he's talked about running more first to third I would caution who you're going first to third with it's fine with Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick it's not fine with Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve because I want to protect those guys um, but they talked too about how important it is to slow down the other team's running game the Astros were dreadful last year at slowing down the other team's running game Javier super slow to the plate Hunter Brown super slow to the plate Hunter Brown did uh, institute a, a slide step which is good because the running runners shouldn't have as big a jumps and then Fromber for being a lefty like how is he bad? Like, how is he so slow to the plate whenever you're a lefty and can't control the run game as a left-handed pitcher? I've, I've always found that inexcusable for left-handed pitchers to be so bad at controlling the run game. But they mentioned, too, that part of the reason that they weren't good last year with controlling the run game is because they were getting the pitches in late. And with the pitch clock getting the pitches in late, now you don't really have as much opportunity to be able to slow down the run game. Because a lot of times pitchers will slow down the run game by just – Pausing, as you know, freeze you're a pitcher. Yeah, freeze you stand still. Like if, if you get the sign with five seconds left, you got to go. Yep. And, and the runner too has okay. Well, I know he has to go. Um, if you get the sign with ten seconds left, now you have more weapons in your bag. So that's something that Espada was talking about too. Is how he wants his pitchers to get the pitches in as quickly as possible. That way they can try to handle the run game much better. And, and that works twofold, Jeremy. You keep the hitter off balance too, because the hitter can see the pitch clock. He knows where where they're at timing-wise. So he knows that they got to get up and go if they get it late. But to your point, between the freezing them and then besides the slide step, you can freeze them yet again, not just not do, but, you know, staring them down and not doing anything, but being able to freeze them with, your, with any kind of leg kick at all. As long as the kick is w- w- how you do the kick and it doesn't cross the, 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 the plane with the rubber on the way back, you can freeze a runner, even if you don't use a slide step, that causes them to pause and therefore gives you an ability to have a better chance if he does decide to run. And you can't do that when you only have three or four seconds left on the pitch clock trying to get a pitch in. King of Twitch says don't shackle your number two pitcher if you don't trust him, move him to three or four. Okay, what, what difference does that make? If you move Fromber to your number four starter, you're just moving everybody else up one or two. That doesn't change anything. No. You're still the same guys there, King of Twitch. Um, Ocho, he, Ocho's on this big uh, kick where he doesn't like the Astros starters. I'm going to keep hammering my doubts about the starting pitching and why the Astros should have added quality bats to outscore opponents like the Rangers. Ocho doesn't like the pitching staff. Okay. And then 60-30, offense looks like Dana Brown didn't do anything this offseason. Oh, wait, he didn't. Guys. They got cabbage. Yeah, but cabbage. Can we just see a little bit of a sample size before we just? I mean, we're just getting going. You can't with, say this, Blankers. You can't say this. You've been you've been crushing them for having Myers as their everyday center fielder. Well, no, but I'm just saying before you, the people that say that the offense is horrible and crushing them, I will continue to crush Myers. But overall, this offense is above average. This no offense one said is, they were horrible though. Like sixty thirty said, the offense looks like Brown didn't do anything this offseason. And Ocho's saying he wanted more offense because he has doubts about the pitching. I think this offense is going to be fine. I, I think regardless of what Myers does, there's still one through six and possibly with Chaz and every, and, and Yiner, it, it could go seven. It could. You have a lot of potential with this offense to be right where, you know, right in that ballpark with some of the best offenses in baseball. I'm not worried about that. And you got eight starting pitchers at a certain point that you might be able to choose from. There's plenty of depth throughout the season as well. And again, we haven't even gotten close to the start of the regular season yet before I start passing judgment on that stuff. 
Yeah, I I wish they they would have added another bat. Like I, I think this bench is bad. Like even if it was a like I wanted a platoon option with Jay Myers. I wanted a left-handed bat that could play corner outfield. And if Myers isn't playing very well, well then this corner bat that you signed, he's going to start against righties, and then Jake Myers starts against lefties. Like th- th- this bench is not very good. Uh, Dubon's your best bench player by far. You had to sign a backup catcher with Caratini. Like I think Caratini's actually be a pretty good backup catcher, but he's a backup catcher. Like you don't want him to be in your starting nine. He's going to play a lot because he's a backup catcher, but he's not one of your best nine players. After that, I mean, you're going to have you're going to have Gray Kessinger or David Hensley. Mm, ho awful. ho hum. Awful. Those are a couple of four A players, and then you're going to have John Singleton or Trey Cabbage, maybe Corey Jolks. Jolks is kind of the guy I want to win that job, but that's your bench. That's not a good bench. No, you're right, and, and and that's that's where the most scrutiny can happen between now and the early part of the regular season because there's you're still time that you could do some things, but at the same time, you know we both were on the sa- on the same page. We wanted to add at least one more bat. They chose not to do it. I didn't expect them to go as as crazy as they did on the hater deal, but I, I you know if they were willing to do that, I was hoping that they even at, at, not the top of the line type guy, but with these guys that are still out there, find a guy in the six million dollars range, five five six million dollar a year range that could at least give you a better option, so that you don't have to, and to your point on Myers, so that Dubon isn't in the in the mix as much because you want him all over the field doing a whole bunch of things as your Swiss Army knife. There's still time to rectify some of this, but, yeah, it is a little disappointing. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. One, one more quick one from King of Twitch before we move on. Uh, Rare, Rare Candy said 25 straight quality starts in all capital letters. He says Fromber has earned the right to try and call his own game. Agree or disagree? Uh, I would I would disagree uh, i mean right now he can call his own game yeah hey, i'm cool with it in spring training yeah i don't care in spring training and see how it goes and then you're gonna have to make a decision based on that because you don't need experimentation going on when the when the games count and they matter because we like i said he's got a whole lot on his plate already that's going on between his ears yeah uh dubon is basically all you need on the bench anyway 58 95 that's fair i mean super utility i love him in that role um one of the great trades that james click made one of the great trades that James Click made. He traded uh, Alex Bregman's catcher buddy, yep. who is nothing, uh, for Mauricio Dubon. What a great trade that was. Uh, do you miss James Click? Uh, some days, yes. I think his his you know as much as we've heard about Dana's ability to 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 find young talent, develop them, and then you know be a savvy guy to get him signed ahead of time. James Click made some good personnel moves. James Click made some moves. Some were more touted than others. But James Click could do some things to make a baseball team better, to, no matter what the money you had to spend. And so, I, I mean, there are days that I absolutely miss him because, you know, everybody lost their mind when um, you, you traded Miles Straw. That turned out pretty good because you got Yiner in that deal, and you got a guy like Maton that helped you out. And, and at a time when you thought Corey Lee was supposed to be your catcher of the future, Yiner leapfrogged him, but that's why you got rid of Bregman's buddy to get Dubon. So there's there was a lot of good uh, out of James Click. Yeah, I thought Click was good. I'm surprised he hasn't got another job. That actually shocks me. He's uh, in Toronto's organization, right? You mean just I'm like a GM. frontline GM? I mean, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm yeah. shocked he hasn't uh, gotten a GM job. That that blows my mind. Uh, 60 30, 25 quality starts because someone else was calling his pitches. That's a great counterpoint. 60 30. That's well played. Say that again. Uh, he said 25 straight quality starts because somebody else was calling his pitches. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Yep. Well, Fromber didn't have 25 quality starts by himself calling his own game. True. 
and help. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's make mock drafts great again. And how are you making the Texans better? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. New York City. Listening to the Killer Bees and some great music presented by RC Ranch, the official beef jerky of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Fitty, he's playing at the rodeo tonight. He's headlining. He is the Friday headliner at NRG Stadium. He and Curtis Jackson. Good one. You know what I started watching last night on? Uh, what was it? What app was it? was it? I think it might have been Peacock. The. Um, Yolanda Salazar, you know who that is? I don't. The Yolanda, Yolanda Salazar was the uh, the lady who shot Selena. Oh wow! Shot Selena. I started watching. I, I stumbled on it late last night as I was falling asleep, and I, I haven't. I only. I don't even think I finished the episode. I fell asleep in it. But they have her on camera, like talking about like some secondary theories on like that whole the entire day. Pretty fascinating. Jeez. I'm actually I'm actually all in. Like I can't wait to watch it again, watch more of it. Yeah, I couldn't believe that she was actually on camera. They actually she's up for from, parole. I from think jail? Yeah, she was in jail. They had her on camera in jail and she was you know, she her story is that it was an accident and like there's other things that came into play, but she never got her story out there because she was already judged by the court of public opinion. Pretty fascinating. Like I'm pro Selena, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh pretty fascinating stuff. Can't wait to watch it again. I don't know how I got there talking about fifty cent, but here we are. Uh, anyway, well, seven, he did one, take lots of gunshots back in the day. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's indeed how I he did. did. That's true. Maybe that's how I got there. I shouldn't laugh at that, but maybe that's how I got there. I was thinking about a gunshot wound to a gunshot wound. Could have gotten off track the way he throws out first pitches. Yeah, not great. No, not great. I mean, all time worst first pitches. He's up there. Carl Lewis had a bad one, right? Or was he? He, he was, was the, the anthem. anthem. He was the but anthem. I think he had, really I bad. He had a bad first pitch too. Go Cougs. Um, Conor McGregor had the poor one. Yeah, I think Conor McGregor was intentional. You do? Hot take. I think his was intentional. I remember the one, someone in Fenway missed so badly, they, they hit one of the still photographers in the groin. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. That's a bad. That's bad. Yep. Uh, yesterday, we had the options of Byron Murphy, Tyler Guyton, Cooper DeGene, and Brian Thomas. Uh, Byron Murphy ran away with it, 71%. And we instituted the Byron Murphy rule, because we don't think there's any chance he's realistically going to be there at 23, that we are now going to disqualify him any time that he's on a mock draft at 23. I don't think we're going to see many more of those, though. Um, so that we're not going to have to worry about it. There was, um, before we get into today's mock, we're working with uh, Garrett Potto. I think that's how you say it. I've never heard of the dude uh, from CBS. Some of the winners and losers from the NFL Combine so far, you had these defensive ends, because maybe this, maybe this will influence who you're picking in, in our exercise. Byron Murphy was a winner. He ran a 488, like ridiculous speed. Chop Robinson. Yes. Chop Robinson ran a 448, which. Might be bad news for the Texans. Like, maybe he doesn't get to 23 mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Tavondre Sweat, the massive man from Texas who weighed in at 366 pounds, still ran a 5.27. Oh, he weighed? He weighed. Okay. He weighed. And 366 was like his playing weight uh, where he finished the year, too. So, like, it was it was an encouraging weight. That's good. Uh, yeah, I have 366. no idea why he ran the 40, though. Like, who's, I'm with who, you. Who's, the dra- who's drafting Tavondre Sweat based on his 40 speed? The um, There's a lot of those – Things Facts. that they're testing on that you're going. What are, what is that? Uh, it's just it's. I mean, credit to him for you know being game and maybe he, he maybe he uh, he maybe he made uh, the scouts happy by doing it. But I just I don't see what the point is for Nick, him. 
Nick Casario went on with the NFL Insiders uh, that day that he did the media rounds and was acting like a jerk to Jonathan Alexander by pretending he didn't know what windows were yeah. when he <laughs> said what windows were last year and two uh, years prior. I believe, I believe you called him a scumbag. Yeah, scumbag yeah. He was in that moment. He was a scumbag. I, I lost a little <laughs> respect for Nick Casario in that moment. But he was on with the NFL Insiders, which is like behind the NFL.com paywall, which – uh, you know, never mind. I'm not going to say what I was about to say. Anyways, he was on with those guys. It was basically a nothing burger, but they were talking about the, the trench guys running these 40s and how big of a joke it is. And Casario did bring up a good point. It allows them to get like 10 yard increment times mm. because they measure that within the 40. So you kind of see burst and stuff like that. So, like, yes, it's a nothing burger, but you get a little slice of something out of it. Uh, anyways, I, I'm moving on now. The, uh, the corner from Clemson ran a 4.29, and he got hurt. Oh, did he really? He uh, he didn't do anything else after that forty because he felt like something tweak. Wow. Hopefully, hopefully it was just like you know something tightened up on. It. Hopefully he didn't pull a hamstring or something like that. Dallas Turner ran a four four six. Like those are the stock up guys. Now here are the stock down guys. Jerzon Newton, Johnny? a stock down guy. Yeah, Johnny. Uh, he has a uh, Jones fracture near his pinky toe. He did. That seems he, to be a trend he, at the combine this yeah, year. Yeah, because the Kool Aid yep. McKintry has one too, but Kool Aid's still going to do his pro day. He is. And then is going to address it afterwards. So, like, what is a surgery after his pro day? Like, what, what's, like, how do you play on a Jones fracture? Like, because Newton played on the Jones fracture too. He underwent surgery on a Jones fracture near his pinky toe after the season. Well, like, and then the, not be that the question severe. is, how's he going to recover from it? Because whatever he tests out before surgery, teams don't care about. They care about. They'll only use it as a, a measurement to figure out how is he after the surgery. Is he still as quick? Is he still running as good? Or did it hurt him literally? That that's that's why I don't understand a lot of that. A Jones fracture is a fracture of the bone of the pinky toe side of your foot, the fifth metatarsal. So I guess you can play through it, but you hmm. got to be. I guess you got to be a gamer. Um, so maybe maybe I give a little bit of credit for no John Grenard there. Kool Aid. No, he can't play through a grade one no. ankle sprain in the most two important games of the Houston Texans regular season. Unbelievable. Uh, Darius Robinson, uh, the Missouri edge, who a lot of people like, uh, he ran a four nine five forty at Ooh. defensive end. Like that's that's slow. Otherwise known as slower <laughs> than Byron Murphy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say slower than interior slow. lineman. Not a good sign. Yeah, that is really slow. And then Braylon Trice. Um, edge rusher for Washington. They had him listed on the Washington Husky website at 275 pounds. Do you want to guess what he weighed in at? 289. 245. What? They had 30 pounds heavier on the Husky website than they, he actually weighed in an Indy. So, like, they don't like that he's that small. Like they think oh, I thought like he ate his way out of the, the of opposite, a certain draft position. They had him listed wow. 30 pounds heavier than he actually is. That's nuts. Anyways, those were the, some of the winners losers. So we look today's mock, uh, this jabroni from CBS. He has Caleb Williams at number one, Drake May at number two. Boy, I hope so. Uh, Jaden Daniels goes number three, so quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Marvin Harrison, who didn't meet with the media today. Like, he blew off the, the media part of his combine. I don't know what his play was there. Uh, maybe he just overslept. I or don't maybe know. he just doesn't. He gets nervous in front of the cameras. Or maybe he just wanted to grab headlines. Like I have no idea. That's a weird play. Well, you know, and you know, all the questioning is going to be why you're not. Why are you not working out? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And he probably does. He just probably doesn't handle it well. Yeah, I don't think it's a good look. I don't think it's going to matter. I wouldn't care. Uh, if I was picking, but I just don't think it's a good look. Malik Neighbors, five. Roma Dunze, Roma Dunze at six. J.J. McCarthy, they trade down number eight, blah, 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 blah. Let's fast forward to the Houston Texans at number 23, where he has the Texans selecting selecting Cooper DeGene, the corner from Iowa, yay or nay on 
Cooper DeGene? I'm going to say nay. I'm going to say for multiple reasons now. One, because there's a lot of talk about is he a corner or is he eventually does he make the transition to safety? And then we find out that he had a broken leg and he's recovering from that and that at a certain point he's going to actually work out and run and do all the things so that people know he's okay. I don't need a guy that's – we talked about when Casario had between two players take the guy with the less medicals in most cases, but it's another thing completely entirely to think, hey, here's a guy that's coming off a broken leg, but I expect he's going to be okay. I'm going to take him and think he's going to be part of my plan. I, I'd i rather stay away from that. Yeah, um, I would still be okay with uh, DeGene at, at number 23. Now, of our options today, he, he wouldn't be my first choice, but I, I'm still fairly okay with DeGene at 23. Uh, DeGene at 23, Tyler Guyton goes to uh, Dallas at 24, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. Troy Fatuna, interior offensive lineman, Washington, goes 25. And then Enos Rakestraw, Jr., the corner from Missouri. He goes number 26 to Tampa. So you got your four selections here. Which of the four are you taking, Blankers? I'm going with Rakestraw. I'm going with the healthiest guy that's going to be a true corner in this league, and I'm going with a guy – that I feel more confident could be a long-term solution opposite of Stingley. Um, and, and so for me, that that in learning from what we learned, at least in the early stages, um, if you have a choice between the two corners, one guy's coming off a broken leg and there's questions about where he ends up playing in the NFL, and another guy that's a corner that can there's room to even get better once he gets to the league, I'm going that direction. I hate it. I hate it whenever you pick the guy that I wanted to. I'm My there bad. with Rake Straw. My bad. I'll well. take. I'll take Fatuna then. <laughs> uh, I'm, no, no. If one of us is taking Fatuna, it'd be me because mm-hmm. I've been. I've been banging on. Well, I haven't been banging on the table. I've just been more okay taking a left guard there than almost everybody. I got to go. Enos Rake Straw here too. Uh, I've liked what I've heard about Rake Straw. He's. I think more of a natural corner. I think he's shiftier than DeGene. DeGene might be a better athlete overall. But I think Rake Straw is a little shiftier, which I value more at the corner position. Brian's Brian, here to agree with us. He's going quarterback. Uh, no, I'm actually going with I'm going with the interior offensive lineman with Fatuna, yes. uh, and, and it's mostly because the I, I actually like I, I like the corners here, especially Rakestraw. If if neither one had medical concerns, I would go with Rakestraw. But Rakestraw's had a ton of injury history in his career. He's torn an ACL. He missed the Senior Ooh. Bowl because of a core muscle injury that he had to have surgery on. So I I just I I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket with the injury concern. So I'm going to go ahead and lock like. Right now, one move, you're essentially locking up the offensive line other than adding some depth. But you're locking up the offensive line. That need is taken care of, and you can spend the rest of your draft picks and your, your free agency, your uh, cap space capital on improving and uh, addressing other needs. Look, if the focal point on offense is running the football, why are we ruling out left guard at number 23? I don't really understand it. And now you better be sure that if you're taking a left guard at 23, and, can, and you know, Kenyon Green is in the back of all of our minds, uh, if you're making that pick, he better be the left guard for the next 10 years. Like, yeah. if, if he's not, then we're going to roast you. I'm <laughs> cool if you do it, but if he's not the left guard for a decade, we're going to crush you. And you're going to get crushed double time because of the one that you took higher, and now you're going to take another lineman. And if you swing and miss, and he doesn't end up to be a cornerstone and a pillar, that would be devastating. Yeah. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The early returns, nearly hundred votes in less than fifteen minutes. Cooper DeGene, sixty two percent. He's running away with it. The Great White Hope is running away with it. Sixty two percent on a broken leg. Draw second at fifteen and a half. Man, that DeGene guy. I, did Cooper DeGene? I'm not kidding. Outside of the receivers and the quarterbacks in this draft, I think Cooper DeGene is the most polarizing draft prospect in this year's draft. 
Yeah, I could see that. I'm I could see for, for obvious some obvious reasons and some other not so obvious, like the fact that he, to find his true position in the NFL. I could see that. Yeah, he is. Uh, you mentioned a Cooper DeGene. You're going to get impressions. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Not that I. Yeah, I know. I know. We all know that. Yep. Uh, who said it? Everybody's favorite game. Brian's going to read to us things that were said by ESPN 97.5 personalities. We got some some more options since we have our full lineup this week. Uh, Brian crushed us last week. We look for revenge next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, as we head into the weekend, I want to tell you about Allstate Siding and Windows because Allstate Siding and Windows are the best in the business when it comes to both. And they know their job and they know their field because they've been in it for almost – uh, 50 years. It, it's fantastic. Mary and Mike and the family, family owned and operated, dedicated to Houston, and of course, sponsoring sports teams and our station. But they're the best because I know from personal experience, I had them come to my house. I had them explain to me how all the, how new windows would help. We walked through the entire process. Mike made it extremely easy. Once we made that decision and we started seeing the, the benefits we were ecstatic because, let's be honest, first and foremost, the cosmetic look of your house is important, and it upgraded the entire exterior and look of our house. But then when you started getting down to brass tacks with Mike and realizing you could save up to 40% on your energy bills, they are unbelievable at protecting you from both keeping the, the, the heat from getting out in the wintertime to keeping the cool inside in the summertime and the protection during hurricane season, it became even more of a no-brainer, and we, we were even more grateful that we went with the good people at Allstate. Simply put, they have deals for you as well, but the main thing is they're experts in their field, and they're going to steer you in the right direction. Right now you got 30% off on, on all windows, 24 months interest-free. They're always going to take care of senior citizens, first responders, and military. But the best thing is they're going to come to your house, tell you how they can help, and you are going to reap the benefits, and it's not going to cost you anything. 832-204-1936. Give them a call. 832-204-1936. Or check out the website, allstatewindowsandsiding.com. It's now time for Super Producer Brian McDonald, a.k.a. Tremac. I'm grouped. To do his best to stump Joel and Jeremy. Well, I'm stumped. It's everyone's favorite segment. Because everyone loves it. Yeah, everyone loves it. I know. Right, exactly. Who said it? Uh, Who said it? Who said it? With the Killer Bees. You know Brian's made it now. He's on the marquee. He's on the rejoin. Tremac. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me when you say you know Brian's made it because he made that promo, I'm pretty sure he just told them what to say. Boy, I was that a fluff job? I was a Michael Carroll joint. I had nothing. To uh, do with uh, that. Nothing, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. He did uh, cut us down last week, and who said it? Can he cut us down for the second week in a row? Let's get started with quote number one. All right, quote number one. I can't stand dumb people. I can't let dumb people go. I just can't quit dumb people. I'm like the broke back guy who just can't quit dumb people. Was this hmm. Paul talking about Joe? I'm thinking Paul or Lance right off the top. <laughs> I could see I could see Dell saying this too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, yeah, we we've just clarified it's just it's just the new lineup now. Producers are out and it's no, just no producers but repeats are allowed. All right. Repeat are allowed. Yeah, I get, I'll go with those three. Mm-hmm. Say it again for me, B-Mac, please. Sure. I can't stand dumb people. I can't let dumb people go. I just can't quit dumb people. I'm like the broke back guy who just can't quit dumb people. The broke back. Okay, so Dell wouldn't say that. There's no way Dell would say that. That's true, because he'd I get would, killed. 
Yeah, and I would say that that sounded like Joe until that last part. I don't think that Joe Sounds has the range to go broke back. But I think Brian's leading us. A I could bit. see Lance, though. I could see Lance or Paul. I, like, Lance has that range. Yep. And maybe even Granado. Like, it could easily be Granado. I see Granado. Does this Granado's cadence, though? No, I think it's Lance's cadence that's the first thing that kind of obviously can't tell tone, but it just seemed like the, the way it was presented seems like and felt like it was more Lance than John. Okay, you want to go Lance? Um, yeah, we can go Lance. Lance Erline. I can't stand Why dumb people. Yeah. I can't let dumb people go. Yeah, just let them go. I just go. can't quit yeah. dumb people. Just let them go. <laughs> I'm like the key, I'm like the broke back guy who just can't quit quit dumb people. Oh, so that was the very end one, because that that was. I really thought right after he said that, John and or Lance would have been like, "Oh, no, you got it right." Yeah, it was Lance. That was Lance. I know, but I'm saying that they would have reacted like, "Save that soundbite." Oh, oh no, no. Do you know what dumb people he was talking about? It, it was actually, yeah, it was some. It was people responding to uh, some of his uh, t- draft takes. Like he can't stand oh, yeah. when someone like well quotes like, "Well, Matt Miller said this instead." Yeah, that, I heard that, him also say. I heard him also say, "Okay, look, <laughs> as a prerequisite, if you want to just question me on why I rated a guy, that's one thing. But when you start name calling and getting stupid, he killed some guy for their questions at the combine today on Twitter too. Good. <laughs> Good. It really, the guy did deserve it too. Yeah, I, I, it is weird to me how people get so insulted by somebody's opinion of a player that they cuss out your mother." It's yeah. like, what's your problem, man? You, you got to reevaluate some things in your life. I mean, if you're their mom or their dad, you can be offended. But other than that, you know. <laughs> Let's get to quote two. All right, quote two. If Justin Jefferson is traded to another team, it would be a tragedy if it's not to the Houston Texans. It's a bit extreme. This sounds like a Joe take. It kind of does. Like, Joe Joe has hot takes. They're yeah. usually They're poor. Um. But he'll definitely stand on the table for his bad takes, which is something I admire about Joe. Can you say it again? If Justin Jefferson is traded to another team, it would be a tragedy if it's not to the Houston Texans. See, that little part there is something that Joe would say, too. If Justin Jefferson is traded to another team, yeah, yeah, that's usually what happens in a trade. It's to another team. <laughs> that, that, that part, like... I mean, when you break it down like, like that's that. Something, like, that's like a little, like, little itty-bitty three lines, three-word line there that is very Joey to me. If you get it right, I'm glad that w- that would be the reason. That's amazing. <laughs> Traded to another team. He, admit, yeah. he admitted today that, you know, that he's known for his bad takes. Uh, anybody else that you could throw into the equation? Uh, I'm dead set. And plus, I just want to—I want to be well, right. Let's now. go. Like this is like my crossover dribble. Like, and you have to take the shot, and then you hope you make it. Let's go with it. If Justin Jefferson yes! is traded <laughs> to a good call, it would be a tragedy if it's like, not the Houston Texans. Brian, can you play that again? Because I was celebrating. I didn't hear the little three-word cadence there that I really wanted to hear. If Justin Jefferson is traded to another team. <laughs> It would be a tragedy if it's not the Houston Texans. <laughs> to another team. Yeah, Joe. That's how trades work. You you don't stay on the team that you're currently on when you I love traded. that that's how you, you locked it in. That's, that's amazing. I'm actually glad you got I, that one I right. didn't even interpret it like that. Once you said it, I was like, oh, my God, if he's right. <laughs> that was my sick crossover oh, that I buried man. the jumper. Quote three. All right, quote three. I guess that people were skinnier before they started to try to tell people cigarettes were terrible for you. Nato could say that. See, I think the first, I think there's four people who would body shame on our station. 
uh, John Lance Dell. Maybe not Dell. Maybe not Dell. Maybe not Dell. Paul. John Lance Paul. Yeah. I, I, initially, because I bet I could see this being a conversation where Granado either was a smoker and talked about it or talked about, like, his relatives in Chicago being smokers. See, that's the thing. It's a smoking outdate, Paul. No, maybe it would increase his amount of disdain for smokers. Maybe. Can you read it again, Brian? Sure. I guess that people were skinnier before they started to try to tell people cigarettes were terrible for you. I guess people were skinnier before they started. I honestly could see Dell saying that. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I think this is a Paul take. Do I, I, I want to? It's either Paul or John to me. Yeah, Paul or John. One more time, Brian. Please, sorry. I guess that people were skinnier before they started to try to tell people cigarettes were terrible for you. See, Brian, the way Brian's reading it completely throws me off. Yeah, because it does sound like Paul. Because if it I was Granado, Granado's like, what is it? Like your crescendo? Is that what it's called? The crescendo? 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 Like the crescendo? You know, Gerlant's crescendo is a lot different. Or uh, he gets he gets a little I'm high. I'm in John. I'm in Granado. I'm in Granado. Granado's crescendo is a lot different. All right, which way you want to go? Uh, either get... one of those two. You call it. No, you you were pretty adamant on Paul. All right, let's go, Paul. Then. All right, let's go, Paul. I guess the people were skinnier oh, before they wow. started trying to tell that people cigarettes. That one stuns me. Who's that? That was Joe. Was it really? Yeah, it was Joe. It, it, I mean, it was it was in a segment where Paul was fat shaming people, so you were on the right track. But oh. it was it was a Joe comment. Okay, I'm surprised Joe said that. That's not very Joey. They were talking about ways for Joe to lose weight and uh, cigarettes and doing meth. Oh, and were they talking about like Manziel? I'm sorry, say they, oh yeah, yeah. They were talking How did you about lose uh, Johnny Manziel and strict the diet of meth. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's such a great line. All right, quote four. Quote four. The running back that I'm looking for is not at the front of the store. It's the one in the DVD bin at Walmart. Nick Chubb. If he's available, I want him. Oh, I think I heard this. I don't think that's Dell. Didn't we talk about this? Yeah, we did, but it wouldn't be us. No, but I'm saying so Joe would get it from us, and then like he likes to do, regurgitate quality information. Three times though. Okay. That's I don't true. think he would use them three times. Two, I think two is probably the most he would use them. So next mm. week he's definitely going to use somebody three times. He's slimy. You never mind. put it past him. I don't think he would do it today, though. So I don't know where these other guys are on running backs. I don't I, think I'm it's crossing the out Joe for the rest of it. I'm gonna Paul. I don't think Paul would say that last. Say that again, uh, Brian. The running back that I'm looking for is not at the front of the store. It's the one in the DVD bin at Walmart. Nick Chubb. If he's available, I want him. DVD bin at Walmart. I think this is how we get the answer is from that sequence of words. Like, I don't think Paulie Paul... loves Walmart. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Paul, I don't think he does. He's talked about it. <laughs> yeah, he's talked about it. And I think he said he was disgusted that he walked in. He, I think he, you're right. He might have said he, <laughs> he, he likes going, but he does wear a hoodie over his head. I think. Yeah, he said like he's ashamed of Walmart. I, I don't think that would be. I don't think it's Paul. I don't think I don't think Dell would say something that cheesy. I think it's Lance. Because I think you have but to kind of be... Lance would know better. I don't think Lance... What do you mean, know better? Nick, I like Nick Chubb. Right, but Nick Chubb's better than the DVD section at Walmart. But I, th- I think he... Well, I mean, the analogy's not fantastic, but I think he means more like people that y'all aren't thinking of. 
I think he's more likely to have that pool than anybody else. I'm just going to tell you this. We can go that way and try it. Brian comes across as a guy that's going to be just as shady as Joe okay. at the end of the day. So I I feel like it could be Joe, and it could definitely be Paul, because Paul does mention Walmart a lot. All right. All right. Which and then one? I mean he doesn't and here and Paul? to your point to your point he doesn't talk about Walmart like in a great way here. He's saying like bargain bin shopping. Right, right. Yeah. All right, let's go with let's go with Paul then. The running back that I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. Oh. Store, Brian, one suck in, it! DVD Walmart. <laughs> Nick Chubb, if he's available. Uh, I told you the, the tweet was gonna backfire on me. Yeah, because he was talking mess. I gave him a hard time in the break for getting a little overconfident on on uh, oh, Twitter. I was never confident. I was just having fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm having I like fun a, now. I like, I like Trash Talk. Trash Talk's fun. I know you do. I love Trash Talk. All right. All right. Five. We got one left. We got one left here. Let's dominate. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> the opposite of last week. If every squatter oh. could be. <laughs> if you're you here and I'm here, Mr. Hand. Okay. Well, you, well, you went one to four last week. Let's see if you can go four and one this week. A nice bounce back. All right. If every squatter could be, if you could throw, instead of spraying them in the face of bear spray, literally just throw that whole liquid on top of them, the unmitigated gall to get into someone else's house and say it's ours now? Absolutely not. That has to end in a fight. That sounds like Dell. Yeah, because I don't know if anybody else is fighting, except for Paul. That's also like a, like, I don't, but I, Paul would fight, but Paul's not going to, like, talk about how he's going to fight, I don't think. And Dell's not really saying Dell's going to encourage fight. others to fight, but he's not going to fight. Yeah, and this is not so much that he was going to do it. That 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 to me that to me sounds like a a string of sentences that belongs to Dell to me. Uh, yeah. Now uh, now let me ask you a question, Brian. Can Dell's comments come from being the producer of the no, morning only show or on only on show. his show? Okay. Only on his own show. Okay. Because I was going to say that could be news of the weirdie. Um, Can you say it one more time just for fun? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. If every squatter could be, if you could throw, instead of spraying them in the face with bear spray, literally just throw that whole liquid on top of them. The unmitigated gall to get into someone else's house and say it's ours now? Absolutely not. That has to end in a fight. Unmitigated gall. I think this is news of the weird, Jeremy. I don't think, I think it's either Lance or Dell. And if you think it's news of the weird, I would lean Lance. That's what I'm saying. I I don't think Dell, now Dell randomly went off on, on one with Michael Carroll today on a bunch of dune and a bunch of movies and things with sean but i think the guys that really get off on the stuff on topics like that is news of the weird you want to go lance yeah lance zerline if every squatter wow. could be if you could throw we killed you what brian spraying them in the face Boom, bear spray, literally just throw that, that we whole cut down button. tree mac hana hana it was not a successful debut of the new open Man, he's Love gonna, it. Welcome to the show. He's gonna he's gonna be out for a vengeance next week. Of course, oh, he it's is. gonna be blood he's blood gonna, He's gonna be trying to get us next week. Uh, well, you know what? I'm glad because that means we did something. We showed up. <laughs> what do you think of this new 14 team compromise proposal? SEC, Big Ten, getting what they want. Is it the compromise you like? How do you feel about this new 14 proposal that is 14 team proposal that is being thrown around? 713 780 3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 975, ESPN 925. You're back with the Killer Bees on ESPN 975 and 925. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. 
new proposal in college football, which is apparently gaining steam, according to reports. They're they're going to come to terms in agreeing a playoff before they ever kick off the 12-team playoff. It's the most college football thing that exists. But the new proposal that's gaining momentum is the SEC and the Big Ten would get three automatic qualifiers with the champion of each conference, the SEC and the Big Ten, getting a bye in the first round. Two automatic qualifiers from the Big 12 and the ACC. One group of five team would get an automatic qualifier, and that leaves three at-larges for wild cards. How do you feel about this proposal, Blinkers? Uh, I'm I'm not – first of all, I think 14 teams is just too much, period. But I'm a little curious if if the three at and you you are obviously the college football expert and BMAC you probably yeah. are, are probably a little bit more than me too. I I I just to me is three enough for the for the to make sure that you get the at larges right and get the right teams in there because we've talked about it. Look, I know the Big Ten is expanding. Obviously, the premier conference is the SEC, but my goodness, the Big Ten can have some stinkers too. I don't like three out of the Big Ten for sure. I I don't like this. Um, I'll just start there. It's kind of a long-winded answer, I feel. That was short. I I like the 12-team playoff. Like, I think the 12-team playoff is really good. Like, Mm -hmm. I like the structure of it. You get your five power conferences. All of them are guaranteed a spot. And you have seven at-larges. Like, if the SEC and the Big Teners are so good, which, I mean, the SEC is, the Big Ten after Ohio State and Michigan, a little bit of a drop-off there, um, go earn it. Like, go earn it on the football field. So, like, that part of it, from like the competitive nature of it, like I don't love it. Like just guarantee your conference champion and then go dominate on the football field where you're going to get a brunt of these at-larges anyways. What this does show you is that the SEC and the Big Ten are using their power to negotiate. Oh, yeah. And I think that the Big 12 and the ACC, as a way to say, don't run off without us, don't create a super league and leave us but you know, out to dry, we're willing to give you some concessions so we can still hang out with you. Uh, and from a compromise point of view, I think they do a pretty good job of it because the first proposal we saw was four automatic qualifiers right. from the SEC and the Big 10 and one automatic qualifier from the Big 12 and the ACC. So there, there clearly was some pushback here. The SEC and the Big Ten are still willing to do business with the Big 12 and the ACC and collectively with all of college football. So for me, I don't love it. I don't like it. I'm willing to accept it as a compromise because I don't want the Big 12 and the ACC to be you know, in a separate league than the SEC and the Big Ten. So I'm willing to accept it as a compromise. I don't like it as much as 12. I would construct the 14 teams a lot differently. I don't like three automatic qualifiers from one league. Like, how are you giving those automatic qualifiers out? Who's deciding that? Is the selection committee deciding that? Are the conferences deciding that? Are you going to have pods? Are you going to have a championship game? Like, I I don't like the structure of three AQs. But from a, like, survival of college football as we know it, I'm willing to accept this as a compromise. Yeah, I, I'm with most of what you guys said. I too prefer the 12 team format to the 14. I just don't think. I mean, I just don't think it needs to be watered down that much. I don't need possibly you know three four loss team getting into the getting into the playoff. And I, I'm. I mean, I hate the idea of the extra quali- uh, quali- qualifying teams for the SEC and Big Ten. Just on principle, like you can't guarantee, especially the Big Ten. I mean, it obviously helps now that Oregon's joining the Big Ten, but I, you can't guarantee on a year-to-year basis they're going to have three teams that actually deserve to be in. But 
if we're being realistic, most years the SEC and Big Ten will. So it's probably not ultimately going to matter. And if this, if they do go with this model, you're still talking about with the five automatic qualifiers and the two extras for the Big Ten and the SEC, you're talking about nine teams. So there's still five for the at-large. That's still a decent amount. So I'll accept it as a compromise, but I, I'm very, very against the See, extra automatic qualifiers. But here's the thing: that's why you don't have, you shouldn't have to do the extra team uh, for, especially for the Big Ten, because if they're good enough, they're going to get in on an at-large anyway. If they do prove to be the clear-cut third in the Big Ten, as opposed to just giving them a third team, when you look at it, besides Oregon and maybe USC, UCLA is not going to shake anybody's tree. I don't think in the Big Ten, at least initially, that. I, and, you know, maybe Penn State, Michigan State's been down. Wisconsin's trying to get back. I just, I hate catering just because of the size of the conference and the pull instead of just realizing we'll, we'll put the best teams in. And if you're one of the best teams and you're the third best team in the Big Ten, so be it. From the competitive side of it, I'm with you 100%. Like, I don't like it in principle. But it's also the SEC and the Big Ten mm-hmm. being the two biggest money-making conferences that exist right now on planet Earth using their weight. Like, they're, they're throwing their weight around here saying, look, you give in to us, you give us what we want, or we're going to succeed from the union and we're going to become the SEC, Big Ten, AFC, NFC. So it's either you do what we want or you don't. Um, so, like, I'm, that's why I'm willing to accept it as a compromise. Is it a perfect, like, way to set it up? Absolutely not. I don't think there should be multiple AQs from any conference. I think there should only be one AQ from every conference and then open it up to a bunch of at-larges. And like Brian said, most years, the SEC is going to get more than three anyways yeah. in a 14-team playoff. Like, there's still three at-larges here. That's probably going to come from the SEC, at least you know one or two of them. Um, I have more issue with guaranteeing a buy for both of them. Like, guaranteeing a buy for the SEC and the Big Ten champion is, is silly to me. Um, and most, like maybe most years it will be this way. But what about the years where Clemson's dominating? What if Clemson gets back to being Clemson? They're still in the ACC. They're going 13-0, and and they're the clear-cut best team in the country. They're going to be a three-seed without a buy? That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah. Like, that's my bigger issue is the buy than the AQs. Well, it just feels like the Big Ten and the SEC have a gun to the rest of college football. There's, and, and there's no doubt that the NCAA and, not, and also the other conferences are all going to bow down because they, they know. They have no choice. Yeah, like Jeremy said, exactly. survival. Absolutely right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of money over logic is how King of Twitch says, and that's that's right. I mean, it is money over that's logic. college football has always been to some degree. Yeah, and now more than ever. Now more than ever. But for these other schools to, like, you know, keep – you know, kind of in the pocket of the SEC and the Big Ten, or at least like holding on, uh, they have to accept this. Now, I do feel if, if this gets done, three AQs, SEC, Big Ten, two from the Big 12 and ACC, one group of five, three at-larges, I do think it's going to stabilize things for a little bit. Am I crazy to think that? Stabilize it because like, like of the Like conference fact that- realignment, like expansion Maybe. of the college football playoff. But, but, I think we're going to get like 10 years where like we settle down for a bit before things go nuts again. It just feels like, though, this is, is the power dynamic is never going to change, though. The SEC, the Big Ten, no matter what you give them, is always going to have the advantage because of the power they wield. In, in, the, in the threat, as you mentioned, about just leaving if they don't get their way and forming their own AFC, NFC type of uh, college football conference. So, yeah, I... <laughs> Maybe. I guess this is. I guess it's more like how long does this appease them? Yeah, before exactly. Because I don't, yeah. I don't think demands. it actually stabilizes anything. It just buys these other conferences time, and really, it's just an argument about how much time does it buy them. Because eventually, if the SEC and Big Ten now get three teams automatically in, 
They're going to come back in a few years and ask for four. I mean, and where's where does this end at some point before the other conferences say, you know what, never mind. And probably as long as the money money is right, they'll keep giving in. But it's always going to be a a. It's not going to be a, a negotiate negotiation in good faith because the SEC and Big Ten such have have such an advantage in the power they wield. Well, and every kid in America is going to want to play on in one of those two conferences too. Absolutely. Yeah. At least in football. Uh, 713-780-3776. Your thoughts on the new proposed 14-team playoff, 713-780-3776. Nico Collins had some thoughts about an extension after Nick Casario, uh, unprovoked, brought up Nico Collins and rolling over money and no windows and whatever. Uh, But Nico Collins uh, had some remarks on an extension. And the question that we have, how high are you willing to go with an extension? On Nico Collins, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer Bees, ESPN ninety seven five, ESPN ninety two five. 